the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And welcome to Lifeline, our uh, Truth For Today edition of Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. Every fourth Friday of the month, we get a chance to come to you and talk to you about what's on our hearts. And what we're, what's on our hearts tonight is something that I think will be quite exciting if you'll stay with us here this evening. Um, it is the month of love. We have, um, well, we had Valentine's just a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half or so. And also, uh, kind of hand in hand with the issue of love, because it is God and his tender love and mercy that is doing this, I honestly believe. We're going to talk a little bit maybe about Asbury and what's going on with the revival in Asbury. It is pertinent. It's exciting to see. And prayerfully, it's something that uh, we get some, some wash over in, quite frankly. So with that in mind, and <clears throat> if you'll excuse me, um, the, the boys had their sectionals last night, and so uh, it, it's not a it's not a COVID thing. My 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 throat sounds odd because I screamed too much at a basketball game last <laughs> night. And even if it was a COVID thing, don't worry. Your your woofers and tweeters and your radios, uh, they're the best vaccine you could ever have against a radio personality who's got COVID. Okay, so don't worry about it in this uh, sensitive culture we have with sore throats and all that. So. Anyway, with all of that said, Phil, we're diving into a really amazing subject that I, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, for any believer in Christ, it's going to be close to our hearts. It should be. Uh, you know, I mean, we use the, the greatest verse of all time. You know, we see it in end zones all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love how that same author late in life would say, behold, what manner of love the father is lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that's what we are says John and uh, with that uh, let's take a look at what love really is uh, you know we've celebrated love this month what what was it we were celebrating well uh, and that's an amazing thing that uh, uh, you know Tina said what's love got to do with it because we can't separate uh, the difference between lust and love. You say the same words to somebody you're lusting after. Baby, yeah. I love you. Uh, uh, I love you until you give me what I want, and then I don't know you. And, and please don't uh, don't get pregnant, because I won't be there. 
So we're so confused in a culture that has equated uh, the physical, the sexual with true love. Uh, but the Greeks uh, help us out a lot uh, when we read the New Testament that the Greeks dealt with four words for love. Storke love was the love for family. And uh, I think even that love today has been so shattered uh, through the heartbreak that's taking place in American homes, the breakup of parents and maybe the invasion of other things that are making chaotic homes. I, I used to love to go to, go home. Uh, I never stopped loving loving going home because it represented mom, dad, tranquility, uh, the people who were for me maybe when I was at my worst. Uh, What a refuge. Uh, But then the Greeks had a word, eros, which is the one that probably people hear the most, erotic literature. Uh, That's mainly the the emphasis is sexual love, but it was really a love based upon sight. It, it was external beauty, physical beauty, and so that it was a legitimate word, uh, but it was never a New Testament word. Right. never came into the New Testament, so they didn't need any help with that. Two words come to us, uh, phileo, in which we get our word Philadelphia, brotherly love. Aldelphos is the brother, phileo to love. And it was really uh, the love of friendship, uh, the love of loving things mutually. Uh, C.S. Lewis used to talk about him and Tolkien and some of the other uh, Cambridge dons who love literature. Yeah, said our our friendship was, uh, we all came to admire the same diamond. Yeah. And uh, if you like music, if you like humor, uh, if you're folksy, if you're a bit Americana, uh, I can relate to you. Uh, I may not think you're the best looking or the brightest, but if we love the same thing, I want to play guitar with you. Yeah. I want to I be in a jam session because we love music. Okay, that, that's the magnetic pool. But then when it came to God's love, they used the word agape that we commonly hear. And uh, there's five things about that love that I think we should know. And we, let's use John 3.16. For God so loved the world, agape, that he gave up his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, there's five things I think we ought to think about when we think of God's love. And that is the source of that love. There's nothing about us sinners that would make God love us. You know, we weren't so good looking that we got his attention. Uh, We were just so, uh, we just drew him out. No, it's in the nature of God to love. John, John, 1 John 4 says, God is love as to his nature. Nobody taught him how to love. He's been loving in the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Spirit have been loving from eternity past. They didn't learn to love. They didn't need to create us human beings to love. They were loving each other perfectly. 
uh, they were they were already in community. Sometimes you get this uh, uh, idea that God had to create us to have some company. No, no, no. He, he created us to have some problems. But there were problems that love was determined to solve. Mm. And so the source of God so loved the world, the source of the love is in the Father. And the object of that love happened to be those who were in rebellion against him. Because world in John 3.16 is not just the breadth of God's love. It's the depth of our despair and our rebellion. And uh, I think uh, the quality of God's love that's amazing is it's unconditional. The source of God's love is found in himself, and it's an uncon—what conditions have we met to ever warrant the love of God? You know, is it asking too much for God to ask you to say, would you believe me? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm in the room. Would you believe I'm in the room? I made all a creation. It's my theater. I gave a big beloved son, but I'm getting ahead of myself there. But it's an unconditional love. And then I think of uh, the goal of God's kind of love. And here's, I think, key to the definition. It will sacrifice itself for the object of its love. I maybe parental love and, and the love for a child comes closer to God's love uh, in some ways than the love of a man for a woman. Let's say marriage, Valentine type thing. He does liken us to his bride. That's for sure. But I think of that child, helpless. Uh, they bring nothing to the table as this infant, but hunger. Dirty diapers uh, keep you awake all night. And said, what did they bring? What did they bring? And uh, God said, uh, someone said to me one time, and I thought it was great. God said, I'm going to love you, dirty diapers and all. said, nobody has children to have dirty diapers. They said, that we wade through to get to the sun. And I often think, here I've got uh, married daughters. I'm one of a pretty good-sized family. To think, my mother changed my diapers when I was a mess, when I could not help myself. You know, there's nothing greater than a mother's love. <laughs> and... And then when you see God saying, uh, I so loved that I'll do the giving. Hmm. You did the sinning. I'll do the giving. Yeah. That you, you got to put a bookmark there. We're going way too fast. The clock is speeding up, and we need to take our first break already. But we are talking about love tonight. Pastor Phil working us through what love really is, uh, especially in light of what our current culture believes love really is. A um, couple of different animals altogether uh, on a couple of different continents, no less. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Pastor Phil Howard on our Truth for today edition of Lifeline here on KFAX. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. 
We are back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland in with you this evening and our guest host, Pastor Phil Howard. As we mentioned, every fourth Friday, uh, Craig Roberts, kind enough to step aside, take an evening off, and let us play in his little sandbox called Lifeline. And that's what we're doing here tonight. If you'd like to know more about Truth For Today, we invite you to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org, and then join us. Truth for Today can be heard right here on KFAX, Monday through Friday at uh, 5.30 in the morning, Sundays, 8.30 in the morning. And you get a good dose of Pastor Phil Howard to get you up and running and going for the day. It's always a great way to start the day. That's Truth for Today. And then, of course, every fourth Friday, here we are. Hi. Welcome to the program. We're talking about love tonight, and Phil, you were talking about what, oh, giving us some descriptions of what love is. We've gone through the fact that it's unconditional. You were working through the fact that it's sacrificial. Sacrificial. Uh, that it, it, it always uh, will make a sacrifice for the object it loves. Yeah. And for God so loved that he discussed your problem. No, took no. it under advisement. Took yeah, it under yeah. advisement uh, <laughs> and stood aloof, kind of like the Samaritan story that uh, we passed by on the other side. Flipping a coin to see if he's going to do something. Yeah. I think this is one of the distorted views of God. We uh, tend to um, uh, there was people that made God uh, impassionate, that it was uh, forbidding for God to have feeling. Yeah, uh, and uh, yet he can use phrases like in Isaiah, uh, a nursing mother may forget her child, but I can never forget you, Israel. For I've inscribed you in the palm of my hands. Or oh, we've got God the Son weeping over. Hey, get, get it together, Jesus. It's mind over matter. Get a stiff lip. Don't tell God whether he could weep or not. Mm-hmm. Don't tell God if it grieved him about the flood. Don't tell God, if Ezekiel 18, I find no joy in the death of the wicked. And uh, just because his people act passionless, let's don't make him that. Right. We're to get, catch up with him. We can't anthropomorphize God. No, no. no. Nor, yeah. Uh, that, and so this love uh, is a love that uh, the evidence for God's love, I love it. And we'll look at 1 Corinthians 13, that he uses 15 verbs to describe what his love's like. So it's not talk, it's action. Verbs are action, not adjectives. He could have right. used adjectives, yeah. but he picked verbs. Well, what it does not do and what it does. Right. And uh, my, uh, the love of God, and, and when you step in the arena with God, you want to say, have I ever loved? Mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, we all begin as beginners uh, because we, we, it is innate in our DNA to be self-centered, not to share me first, uh, I'm best, I'm good, I deserve it. And then we get married. <laughs> and, and we want to convince her of that, of, what can I say, that insane philosophy right. of our worth. And, uh, and isn't it a journey uh, of so many young people? I'll do anything to feel worth, to feel like I'm needed. And uh, 
uh, I raise daughters, so I specialize in girls. But uh, I, I think of uh, one daughter at a period in her life, braces, glasses, awkward, uh, and running with a, a person that was a knockout, good-looking, no problem getting a date. In that awkwardness, made some wrong choices and everything. But the search for worth. Am I worth Calvary love? Or what can I ever do to get the attention of a guy and still keep my morals? Is it possible? And I think this is the tension our young people live with. And us old gray heads ought to be sympathetic and affirming and try to encourage them. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, this, we're going to talk about this in a bit. Uh, Asbury, the last time they went through a revival was 1970. I'm in high school in 1970. 53 years ago. 53 years ago. I think, is like you said, us old guys, we tend to forget. <laughs> it's been because there is such a... It, that was 50 years ago. 50 years ago. I can't ago. remember everything 50. And, and, and it's not top of mind. For our young folks, it is, and I, I, you're, you're absolutely right. We need to purposely remember where we've been so that we can best sympathize and lead those young folks yes. through these uncharted waters for them. I mean, we've gone through them, but I think we forgot the chart. <laughs> and I think in 1970, I was a dean of a co-ed college yeah. and, and kids studying theology and straggling with morality, right. struggling. Can I be pure until? Nothing new can, under the sun. Nothing new. And uh, with all of this marketing of a false kind of love, a love that can say, uh, I won't be there to raise a child. I'll make a child. But I won't raise a child. So, Phil, how do we then, uh, all right, we've acknowledged, at least you and I can sit here along with Chuck and we can acknowledge, all right, we're old guys. We went through this, but it's been so long ago that it's hard to remember it. How can we encourage our young folks to a higher ground rather than, and I guess what I'm trying to say is over the years, we've kind of become caustic and cynic. Uh, cynical about it all, and it's just a minute. No, you just pull pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Hey, quit. That's wrong. Yeah. Don't do that. How, how do we bring love back into this equation and minister to these kids? Well, I think it's one thing. Um, not only our home. Some of us have already launched our children. Okay. Right. Yeah. And let's say our local churches. What's happening in Asbury from a prayer meeting that no one wants to stop, and they've gone for two weeks, day and night. Thousands of people have come into Wilmore, Kentucky, to see the phenomenon of simply uh, not a fabricated or whipped up meeting. I want to pray. I want to sing. I want to confess. I want to thank God. Uh, I think of our churches, uh, you know, if you could even find a prayer meeting, that you're, you're in a highly, and I don't care what tradition, because I grew up in a strong praying tradition, but I talked to the pastors in that tradition. There's not the group prayer meetings I grew up with. Wow. Uh, the prayer meeting was often better than the service. 
uh, because you got transparent and broken before God. Uh, when I was dating my wife, if we didn't have prayer meetings, she would have never made it as she watched her home go up in smoke. Praying and praying with saints with an arm around her as a young teenage girl, uh, it got her through. And what's the climate in our church in the coldness of our age? The, the age is cold. We're laboring on a frozen sepulcher a nice flow in the culture. It's cold. Wars going. Inflation is growing. Homes are breaking down. Kids are dying of fentanyl. Uh, the web is full of trash and garbage. What in the world is going on in the household of faith besides yawning or, or critiquing the preaching? We've we well, and and the thing is, you're, you're absolutely right. I I think what we've seen in our churches is we've begun to bargain with sin, we've begun to capitulate to sin, compromise with sin, reason with sin, instead of crucify it. Absolutely, feel. And, and I I read a line that C.S. Lewis said: to give into sin in any small place is to give up a beachhead yes. in which sin will grow and dominate. There is, man, my goodness, we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg here. Thank you, Chuck. Our, our producer, Chuck, here is just, uh, he's, hey, why don't we talk about love? Okay, great. Yeah, we'll get that done in about a minute or two. Not, not. We need to take another time out, but when we come back, we'll continue our conversation surrounding God's love, what it is, what it isn't, and how can we get this into our lives more? How can we appropriate the love of God in Christ to where it is a part of our lives as well? That's what we're praying about and longing for. Here tonight on Lifeline, our guest host tonight, Pastor Phil Howard, Truth For Today edition of Lifeline, right here on KFAX. We are back with more right after this. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. We are back. It's Lifeline, and Pastor Phil Howard is your guest host this evening, kind of walking them all through it and walking myself as as well as yourself, as uh, uh, yours truly, Andy Froyland. I get to play in this sandbox once in a while. It's always a joy, and we are talking about love tonight, and the things that weave in and out of this, Phil, are really quite, you know, when we when we pick a topic... Once we get into it, it's, it's inevitable. Once we get into it, all these other topics just flood in and go, hey, look, I, if, if you're talking about this, I need to be recognized as well. And in between during the break, we were talking about the fact that if we are to understand love and if we long for it more, this is going to require prayer. And now we're on a whole new subject because prayer is something that it's almost a lost art in America these days. Try, yes. Like you said, try and find a, 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 a viable prayer group. Now, I remember the first time, it was 1992, and I'm on a short-term missions trip to Wales, of all places. And we are at the church that Martin Lloyd-Jones was a part of before he moved to Westminster in London. And I remember... Going to a Wednesday evening prayer group. Everybody who was there Sunday morning was there Wednesday evening. And there's about two hours of solid prayer. 
And that was my first introduction to a prayer group that I, I prior to that, and I'm a young young man in Christ, uh, but in America, this is foreign to me. But having that kind of dependence, reveling in that dependence upon their God mm. was overwhelming to me. Overwhelming. And I've, I've never forgotten it, and I've always longed for it since. How do we get that back? What, where have we gone wrong? What's lost? And how do we get back to this kind of love? And not only getting back, but getting back to the purpose of not just depending upon God, but also exampling to our young kids, young kids. What, this is, what, this, what this life in Christ is really all about. Well, I, I think that... Um, um, not trying to be negative, but we've been good at we're into marketing, mm. uh, marketing the church. Uh, let's see how close we can make it feel like theater. Maybe let's sing to the saints. Let's say uh, you got to have a hot band, uh, and I'm all for that. I buy CDs of hot bands, but we got to have a good stage presentation because we're not going to sing any hymns that we know. Uh, and pretty soon you're left out of it. You're being sung too. Right. We've taught the saints to be passive. Passive. We'll, we'll, we'll do for you. We are it. The platform meets the need. No, it doesn't. Uh, when you get on your knees, when you pray, there's that vertical acclamation of God that you're, I remember I think it was old Hezekiah he said greater are those that are with us when Sennacherib wanted to destroy them and uh, the prophet Isaiah is holding his hand up said our God's able to deliver Hmm. but I I tell uh, it's culture I I think of uh, a dear brother of mine that's with the Lord now George Rutenbar he was uh, John Walford's assistant for years at Dallas Seminary. Now, George had played for the uh, White Sox. He was a great ball player, was a pilot in World War II. Uh, And then he had his own franchise insurance business in Nashville, carried Chet Atkins, all these stars. He was a mover and a shaker, had six children, had adopted a few had four children, but a mover and a shaker don't mess. Uh, he was a man's man right out of Michigan. And he said, here he came out of the business world, out of the athletic world. He said when he got to Dallas and he went to his first board meeting or whatever it was, and all those men got on their knees. He said, I never in my life seen men on their knees. Wow. He said, I, I, I never saw that. He said, my life was forever transformed by it. That you mean these people actually depend on God? Hmm. That, that they would actually uh, take a nice press suit and get it on a dirty floor to talk to the living God? Hmm. And see, it, it just modeled... Don't have to teach it. Model it. Model it. Uh, Let's say our homes. uh, You know, I never grew up with family devotions. Uh, My dad never. But every every night after he worked climbing steel, he read his Bible until he went to bed with one eye. Okay. 
Uh, I never got in our 56 Ford pickup, but what I didn't learn another hymn because hmm. he was a singing Christian yeah. all the time. All the, it, it, it was Deuteronomy 6, when we walked by the way, when we sat at the table. It was God, God, God. And uh, these little hoodlums I was running with, when we came to our place, everything changed because the old L.J. Howard wouldn't mess with. He wasn't afraid of anybody I was running with. Right. He can handle them. And, but a, a, just a quietness. And we were fun. He was a singer, did music, funny. But there was we take God serious around here. Yeah. And I'm trying to raise my kids in the midst of a hellhole called South Richmond where mm-hmm. you can get hurt quick. He said, we're not putting God under a bushel. And in the church, I'd say, pastors, elders, let's not have a secret relation. Model it to the children. Mm-hmm. We desperately... Man, if we were on our knees 10 minutes before service, just in an act of adoration and affection mm-hmm. and submission, yeah. my... Uh, to just read Scripture. You know, I think about people. Read the Bible and pray. I was just thought here the other day. It's about like a, a soldier. He said, I've received 30 letters since I've been in Vietnam. Well, what did she say? I don't know. I've never read them. <laughs> and I thought, it's like a lot of you Christians. you got a Bible you've never read. Yeah. You don't know what your lover has said to your heart. you got to read the mail. Yeah, we'll sit there and look at a place like Asbury and go, oh, I only wish. Oh, if God would only do that here. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. It, it, he can. He can. There, there. You know, while you don't specifically see it um, explicitly in Scripture, it is implied considerably that draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. You can have revival in your personal revival in your life. You don't need to wait for God to come and give it to you in a in a in a in a, a school context, do you? Well, I think he said in Luke twenty four, you hang out in an upper room until I decide to send the Spirit. Right. Where would God find us if He wanted to give us a special blessing? Please don't do that. (laughs) It just leaves you hanging. It won't be the local bar. I know that. It won't. It won't. But you see, that that is exactly what we're talking about. Now, now you you also mentioned something else, not as it only prayer, but it's a love of the Word of God, isn't it? These two go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other, can you? you? You need the boundaries or else we can go into emotionalism and fanaticism that never yields anything but a stirring uh, of uh, the emotions. And emotions are all right, but we've got to, the mind. God changes us through heart and mind and have all the emotions you want, but in the boundaries of Scripture. Puritans called that the uh, uh, the doctrine of the, the um, primacy of the intellect. Uh, come, let us reason together. Yes. Though your sins are as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Know uh, why you're happy. Know why you're exactly. And I, I think it's a real challenge for us, Pastor Phil, because so many of us prefer to be just pacifists. You know, pew sitting pacifists. You know, well, I'll let my pastor give me the Bible. I don't need to bring mine because. 
shows it's going to be up on the screen and same with the music and, absolutely and i'll let them pray well it's know? why i love uh, the tradition i grew up of pentecostals and, and a radio audience you heard it right pentecostal That's we right. weren't called charismatics we were called pentecostals <laughs> because there weren't many of us when i grew up but I, I wanted to play an instrument because they sang so much. Uh, I wanted to be in the prayer meetings. The body was to be activated. I had a pastor ask me, he said, uh, boy, our church is semi-dead or it, it just doesn't act. You know, they don't act lively. And I said, well, they've learned from you. Mm-hmm. I said, to look at you is like uh, studying Brother Cactus. I said, you're frozen. You, you, you don't emote yourself because your intellect has made you now frozen and too bad because if you read Jonathan Edwards who happened to be genius in his intellect he's got a book on the, the supernatural light that comes from God and he said you could read a thesis all day on honey and still not know what it tastes like Right. but I hear him say taste and see, see. have you tasted of a prayer meeting have you tasted of the goodness of God don't tell me what they're like Get me in one of them. Before you start praying, pray. Before you start asking God to come into your life, ask him to show up. Absolutely. And tell him you won't be satisfied until he does. Oh, my. Oh, well, there we go. We've got another time out we have to take. So we will do that and come back with our conversation surrounding the love of God (laughs) and what it is really all about, Alfie. This is our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline here on KFAX. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we are back. It's Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, yours truly, Andy Froyland. We're talking about love during this, well, it, we're, we're coming up on the end of the love month, February. And uh, we're kind of exploring just exactly what love is. We're hoping the, it's not the end of love. Right? Exactly. <laughs> let's, 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 let's look at love in such a way that it, it really kicks into high gear in March, which would be amazing. But, you know, you uh, our, our producer. Producer Chuck was talking about this, and in fact, in part of your prayer time before we started our program this evening, Chuck, just really uh, got me to thinking because I, I'm in Psalm 119 with with the church I'm pastoring at the moment, and. Uh, the importance of the Word of God in our lives, being men and women of the Word. And as you look at the author of Psalm 119, he's got this tension. Man, I, I delight in your Word. Lord, help me delight in your Word. Man, I long for your precepts. Lord, help me long for your precepts. And there's this tension that you see throughout this psalm that really lays out kind of what you're wanting in your life, uh, Chuck, and, and what we're talking about here this evening. Yeah, we know God's love. We know He's called us to love. And I, my desire is to love, but I don't do it perfectly. Please help me more. And it's that please help me more that we're kind of looking at here this evening on Lifeline, Phil. Uh, how do we how do we get stirred up in all of this? Do we just passively sit back and say, okay, God, I'm waiting on you? Or is there something that we can do that says, God, I, I know you've called me to love, and I kind of know what your love is, but I don't do it the way I should. How do, 
how do we how do we increase ourselves with that? Well, I uh, I'm glad you asked the question because Jude answers it. And um, listen to what Jude says, telling them to contend for the faith. He says this, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. Let me give a little Greek lesson here. The main verb here is to keep yourself in the love of God, surrounded by three participles. He said, so he's answering the question, keep yourself in the love of God. How? Build yourself up in the faith, the Word of God. Because Judah said our faith is the once for all faith, the Scriptures. Two, praying in the Holy Spirit. Ah, and I often have, uh, especially more conservative brothers, said, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I said, it starts with praying. I said, uh, uh, yeah. the Spirit will be there more, will you. Just start praying first. But in the Spirit, I would say in the will of God, in the energy of the Spirit, uh, my... Um, I I was transformed when I was 15. I started hanging out with the youth evangelist, and uh, he was holding a revival at our church. He prayed four hours a day, I know, because I went with him. I, I just got where I sold out to the Lord. I had my summer staying with my aunt and uncle. Four hours a day. Uh, I just talked to him the other day. He's 84. Wow. But he set that model I took up the model when I went into ninth grade. I did three hours a day. I just made a covenant, set the time, uh, 6.30 to 8 in the morning. Every day before I went to school, I read a chapter in the Bible with my New Testament before each class. I read seven chapters a day. Just, I was 15 years old. And now remember, I'm buying a date book by the time I'm 16 because youth groups are asking me to speak. I did that all the way through high school. And someone says, you need to pray the most when you don't feel like praying. Right, yeah. I mean, and uh, I'm more sloppy about that now that I'm in a retired stance. I'm not in the pulpit every week. I'm not wearing the armor of a soldier that's on duty. And it's lethal. It's why Chuck Swindoll said, I discourage all men from ever retiring from ministry because it becomes the devil's workshop. Have you have you found, though, that you you are freer to pray? Your, your schedule freer. frees you up more. You just have to discipline yourself. You need it. The, the sin nature doesn't get better with age. No, it doesn't. And uh, I forget who it was. It was George Mueller who said, I pray that I will not become a cranky old Christian. Right. And that little boy said, make bad men good and make good men nice. Yeah. And it's not automatic. So I think what Jude is saying is tell him, keep yourself in the love of God. 
And that is, you're always in the shadows because you won't get out in the sun. Go where the sun is. It's in the Word. It's in praying. Uh, he goes on here, what does he say? Uh, it's being merciful to people. Mm. Showing mercy and isolated Christianity calcifies you. Yes. You, you just get, you, you're not involved in showing love. Acts. When we look at 1 Corinthians, and we'll look at 1 Corinthians 13, and look at those 15 verbs that says what love looks like in the church, in the home, and in the culture. And say, if we put your name in there, would it describe you? Uh, Phil Howard is patient. You've got to be kidding. Right. If, you, if you say that to me, you've got to redefine patience. <laughs> yeah. Ask my wife. Oh, same here. Yeah. Uh, you know. I'll, I'll raise my hand to that. <laughs> you know, and so that said, wow. And you shall know them by their impatience. No, you should know them by their love. Yeah. And I tell you, when you've got Jesus for the template, uh, is it my, my wife and I here the other day, she asked me, we were having a morning devotion. She says, we read Ephesians where Christ loved the church. And, and she just, uh, I don't know that I've ever given her permission to do this. And I put her on house arrest. Uh, she said, uh, how do you think you've ever loved me like Christ? Oh, ouch. Yeah. Uh, I said, I told you to get the eggs fixed just right. I, I told you to. She said, no, I, I, what? I said, I'm slain with the question. Yeah. I, I, I would never, I don't think, ever dare say I've loved you that, that wonderfully. Maybe a second or two here or there. Well, I did you get a, a shadow of it. Well, but, I did yeah. a few seconds so I could use it in a sermon illustration. Well, there you go. Then I did well, it. You know, yeah. that's, that's the pastoral. Yeah, know. that's the pastoral touch. I did yeah. it three minutes, and I've been using it for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, with that, you're you're stepping on some toes here, brother. That just, ouch. All right. It I'm, ouched me. Yeah. It did. I thought. When have I loved anybody like Christ? Yeah, that is a that's a tough call. Now, you you mentioned something, and I think when we come back, we have to take another time out. But when we come back, let's take a look at the other side of this coin. We're looking at what we're doing. So let's look at the impetus. Let's look at the the, the drive behind our desire. What what drives us into this desire, and maybe. Maybe the lack of that is what is keeping most of us driven to the word and prayer. That's all coming up. So hang your hat on that one for a moment. We'll be back. This is Lifeline, our Truth For Today edition with Pastor Phil Howard and yours truly, Andy Froyland, right here on KFAX. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.